UK Motor Talk. Hi everyone, we're back. And by we're back, I mean there's only two of us here. This is sort of like a UK Motor Talk light, if you will. I was going to say diet, but that's not right. That's definitely not right, looking at the state of me. So it's just me, Mike. And me, Jim. And it's just oh, the two and then of us. that's it, isn't it? Yeah, it, it is literally just the two of us. So it's we'll, just uh, the two we'll of talk us. at each other for a little bit and uh, yeah. we'll see how we get on. So, warning, tangents incoming, I think. I would ask, you know, how you are, but I, I know how you can be. So I think it's probably uh, probably only fitting that we move on. Something came through my door today and I wanted to talk about it. It is a letter from His Majesty's Government. Your question's answered. Why choose an electric vehicle? Now, I live in a, a sleepy seaside town. The grey pound is strong here, isn't it? There's an older demographic. Usually the things I get through my, through my letterbox are for either one of those shopping trolleys or for stairlifts or mills and wheels or yeah, something. Stairlifts or comfy slippers, the sort of magazine that advertises practical, comfy outdoor slippers on the back Yes, there. exactly that. Now, my road's not long, is it? Let's face it. How long does it take you to stroll from one end of my road to the other? It's a, it's a, a, a close. There's no, there's a green at the end. and there's, You can't drive all the way through, but it's probably, what, two minutes from end to end, maybe? It's, it's not very long yeah, at all. Yeah, if that, yeah. So... The council have decided that they want to put charging points in my road, which is quite interesting. And they want me to have my say about it. So it says the future is electric. In 2030, a ban on sales of new petrol and diesel vehicles comes into force. Doesn't mention hybrids, of course. EV sales increased in 2022 with more than one in 10 new vehicles being electric. We are proposing six charge points in your street. But until demand increases, only two of these bays will be reserved solely for EVs. The other four bays will be available for residents to use. And the approach will be reviewed as we've seen an increase in usage. Now, we're quite lucky here. Hang on, but this this is your house in your road where every house in your road has a driveway. Yes, there are two houses that don't. There are some houses that go onto the green. So there is no road outside. But they have all their parking at the back. So everyone has either a garage or a driveway. So there's somewhere to charge. And what there isn't really is a lot of on-road parking because each of the houses has a driveway. <laughs> so you also do have some neighbours who park like bellends and take up two spaces and then people who oh, park completely. in the turning area, etc. So it's it's not, the, I would say, out of all the streets that I pop up and down, you all seems quite congested in terms of on-street parking. It's largely fine if people all decide to park on one side of the roads. When they park opposite each other, and then there's not enough space to get through. Now, on Amy's car, someone did this. I sort of, I say parks have abandoned their car in the road, really. And I think I must have been clear by half a centimetre on the mirrors on either side. It was really, really tight to get through. So nothing bigger than an average family SUV is going to get down there. I'm absolutely in support of putting more public charging in. It makes a lot of sense, particularly if it was something high speed. And this won't be. This would just be, I don't know, lamppost or post charging or something similar. But if every house along the road's got a driveway that's got enough space for at least one car, if not two cars, what's the point? What is the point? Yeah, and surely you're, if, if you, the, one of the first questions that you should ask yourself or should be asked of you if you go into a car shop to look at an electric car is, have you got a driveway? Have you got a charger? Have you got space? Could you put in a charger? And if somebody says, no, I live in a terrorist street and I can't charge anywhere, then, well, it's not much point you having an electric car at the moment. It would be a pain. 
if you were doing any sort of mileage, if there's a uh, a high speed or a quick enough charger that you could leave the car there for a few hours and go and see a film or do some shopping or whatever, then actually you can make an electric car work for you even if you don't have a charger at home. But yeah, up and down your road where it is, as you said, all but two have a driveway, why bother putting six down there? But then only have two for electric cars. Yes, at the minute, which which does seem a bit mad. So this is something the council have in partnership with Connected Curb, and they're going to be using all renewable energy for it. I mean, it's, it's the same energy, isn't it, that comes down your pipe, whether it's renewable or not, let's face it. But they're going to do wind and solar and everything else by Octopus, Octopus Energy. If anyone's got an electric car or anyone's looked at an electric car, you would have come across Octopus. And then they're recommending you download ZapMap to find it. But their plan is that um, there's going to be enough chargers that there'd be one within a few minutes, it says. So that's three, isn't it? A few minutes of your house, which I think is admirable. They've popped a few down on the seafront, haven't they? So there's a few, yeah. uh, one in near uh, your neck of the woods and then another bunch that's nearer the town centre. But at the moment, I think none of them work. And then the sign just says electric vehicle parking only. It doesn't say you have to charge there. So... At the moment, it's quite nice because I have six private parking spaces because nobody else ever parks there. But I'm not quite sure if, well, can I park there but not charge? It just says electric, but it doesn't say you have to charge. So, But, of course, I wouldn't. when they are up and running, I wouldn't want to block it and take it up if somebody was needing that space to charge. So I think, as we've seen, you know, certainly in the early days of electric charging points, you had uh, charging points that were iced, as they call it. So you'd have somebody with a combustion mm. engine parking and blocking up the space so all i used to do was just park right up in front of them and plug in anyway and leave the car there and that was it but will you now have oh i'm being blocked up by ev but they're not charging so again that just leads to a bit of rage doesn't it because somebody might need it to charge so it becomes a um yeah it becomes a a minefield really doesn't it what i mean what do they call it ev Evelind or something you've been Evelind. Evelind. you've been Evelind. yes Evelind, yes. maybe I remember reading this thing about people aggressively unplugging people at Ikea or something so they could plug in and charge because they decided that the person that was charging had enough charge and so they they needed some. A bit like when people say to you, I can't borrow your phone charge while it's charging my phone at the moment. Well, how much have you got left in it? Well, it doesn't matter. I'm charging it up. It's that mm. that, that kind of thing. So well, I'm, I'm charging. I'm charging as much as I need. Anyway, let's move on. You've been somewhere, haven't you? And we're just a bit jealous. I have been somewhere. Uh, and you left us behind. So where have you been? You tell us. Well, I went to the uh, the British Grand Prix this year. I was lucky enough to uh, to get an invite along from uh, from ExxonMobil SO, and they uh, they looked after me in beautiful fashion for the day. It was I, I felt a very 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 lucky boy to have gone along to it. It was. Um, it, it has to be said. If you're going to go and see a Grand Prix, then spend. 20 years of your life working in a very hard work industry that offers lots of hours and very little pay in return. And then just every now and again, you get the odd day out like this. But it was uh, courtesy of, uh, as I say, Exxon Mobil and SO, who are a sponsor of the Red Bull team. So I was, um, yeah, glory hunting or whatever you want to call it. But it's, uh, I suppose if you're going to go along and, uh, and be a guest of any team, you might as well go along for the team that seems to be winning, well, half of everything, I suppose, or one driver's winning everything. But yeah, what a uh, what a day out. It's um, I, I, I don't know how much the Paddock Club 
ticket is at Silverstone. It's um, probably a chunk of change. I, I tried to look it up, but they're all sold out, unsurprisingly. So I'll have a look and see how much one is for next year. But it's uh, I bet it's many thousands of pounds. But I was very, very well looked after for the day, and and uh, it was only for the uh, for the Saturday for the qualifying. So the weather was a bit changeable, but it was um, lovely to go and pop along and sit in the grandstand and just the the roar of the British crowd when Norris popped it on provisional pole in Q3. You know, I think it was quickest Q1, quickest Q2, or there or thereabouts, and the the roar and the energy. Our grandstand was um, you know a turn and a half after the the start finish line so you could hear the 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 wave of emotion and, and joy just echo around the place and travel around the circuit and it was something quite you know goosebumpy about it it was uh yeah it was just a a lovely 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 day out and um yeah the the, re- the actual end qualifying result was a bit predictable regular listeners to the podcast all know we haven't really spoken about the f1 too much this year because it's f1 update Max 1, F1 update ends. Next race, F1 update, Max 1, F1 update ends. Right, this just in, we have been pushed, prodded, if you will, digitally poked. That's the word I'm after. Kind of like you used to do on Facebook. Nevertheless, we have just had this from our editor. He has showed us the pricing for these tickets. The cheapest that he could find was a Friday at £800 when I'm not sure a lot goes on really by comparison to the other days. For the weekend, how much was it? Four and a half grand. That's madness, isn't it? (laughs) <laughs> that sounds tiny not, yeah that is a lot of money four and a half it, grand four and a half grand it is the way to see it to be fair it is very very nice but you would expect that for four and a half grand and uh yeah like i said i did feel slightly bad because of course my my ticket cost me zero pounds so i did if if you know if, if it's any consolation to the people that i was waving out when i was on the flatbed truck being driven around the track towards the end of the day I did feel slightly bad that I was there for zero pounds and they were there for less than that. At one point, I was going to see if I could uh, start getting pints from the uh, the bar and just pass them over the fence because I think a pint was probably 7.50 or 8 quid to uh, the general public in Silverstone, I would have thought. So I was going to start just getting them and passing them over the fence if I could, uh, or maybe selling them, who knows, made a few quid back, but doing three quid, I'd have made a roaring trade. I'm pleased that you said general public as opposed to general peasants there. Lord Baxter, uh, yes, no, yeah, yeah, general, uh, general public, but it was, yeah, uh, yeah just a, a, a lovely day out. Even if, uh, as I say, the end result was slightly predictable, with you know Verstappen just tootling around in Q one and Q two, and then some. You know, he's got eight gears, don't you? Not just seven. And you know, oh, oh, and the throttle goes all the way down. All oh, right, there we go. I'll go half a second quicker. And uh, yeah, Max uh, duly toddled off and won the race in his uh, in his normal fashion, but. The McLaren pace was uh, was quite encouraging. Their upgrades have obviously clicked and and worked. Piastri um, got the benefit of all the upgrades, uh, apart from the front wing. I think they only got one of their new front wings, which Norris had. So there was a teeny tiny pace difference between uh, the pair of them. But Oscar just unlucky with a safety car in the race and meant he uh, he missed out on a podium. Otherwise, I think that would have been a relatively straightforward double podium for McLaren. So it's um, I mean, if if nothing else, if it wasn't for Max and, and half the Red Bull team, then the this championship year would be an absolute cracker. It would be a, a ding-dong battle between everyone. But, yeah, a little bit predictable at the front. I think the stat is now Max could finish second at every race and still win the championship quite easily. So, it's yeah, but I do, I do just wonder, looking at the 
the points table behind him and the way everybody else seems to be taking points off each other. I wonder if anyone will actually get to his current points total now for the year. He he seems to be that far ahead and Perez is struggling like uh, like anything to get out of well Q3 most of the time. But on uh, on that note of struggling Red Bull stable drivers, we've got another bit of news uh, breaking this morning that Danny Rick is back, which which yes. makes me very happy. To be honest, I've I've missed him. Was lucky enough to be um about two foot away from uh, from him on Saturday, so just climbed that one in. Uh, I didn't uh, didn't get much chance to do much other than I just looked at him and said, "You're a in legend," and he looked at me and smiled and uh, and off he went because he uh, he come in and said a few words to uh, to myself and the fellow Red Bull guests. So he's uh, he's lost none of his spirit and his jolliness. Unlike him to have been smiling, I'm sure. Well, exactly. It's, uh, but he's, I teeth. think it's good. Uh, some of that smile had faded towards the end of his McLaren time. I, I yeah, think it, sure. it seems to be the case that he's he spent a bit of time in the Red Bull sim and the, the first time he sat there, the viewers, who are you and what have you done with Danny Rick? You look like him, but you're driving like a... What's happened to you? Have you forgotten how to drive? Um Lots of the McLaren quirks, which which are still there in the car, I think this year, had yeah knocked him for six, I think. But a few sim sessions, and he seems to have very quickly got back onto uh, onto his proper pace. He had the um, Pirelli tire test with Red Bull on the Monday after Silverstone, and by all accounts, went great guns in that as well. Not too much info on that gets released, and obviously the tires are experimental for next year. But his uh, his pace certainly seemed to be there. So he's um yeah, unfortunately for Nick De Vries, who seems to have. Well, yeah, he hasn't had much of a chance to not settle in, has he, with Red Bull? It seems a, a bit harsh. I mean, it's his rookie F1 season. I know he's he's an experienced driver, but it's a bit, you're in. Oh, you haven't got the hang of it yet? Well, I've only been doing it two minutes. doesn't matter, sod off. He's, he's mm. very much the Red Bull way. The meat grinder, as it's famously called, has churned through many drivers, but it's produced a, a couple of generational talents. I mean, there's there's Max and, and Sebastian as the, the standout world champions with Red Bull, but Carlos Sainz seems to be getting on all right. Danny Rick's disappeared, done other things with other teams and then come back again. Uh, not quite sure Brendan Hartley should have been in there, but he's had a hell of a sports car career. I think he was certainly a better sports car driver than F1, but there's... Um, who's there? I mean, we've had Danny Kvyat, he's um, popped off and reappeared in Formula E and other categories and done very well in there. And, you know, Jean-Éric Verne, Buemi, and there's, you know, I think there's... But the only thing I would say is they don't quite give the drivers the chance they need all the time. It's they, they occasionally do just need that bit more time to develop. But, hey, it's Formula One. They're, they're the 20 best drivers in the world. There's only 20 seats there. So you've kind of got to get on with it and get on with it quickly or go and do something else, really. So, yeah, I feel uh, quite bad for him. I think with a, a different team, a different environment, he may be flourished. Well, Alex Albon, given, you know, how well he's flourished as uh, as Williams team leader he's uh, he seems to be having a whale of a time there and but i i think for for danny rick he's been red bull all the way through and he just seems happy and at home there so he's one of those drivers that the atmosphere suits and and off he goes there's something i'm bursting to tell you about it's a complete change of pace from formula one and definitely other in the spectrum when it turms to money now, regular listeners will know that the Citroen ME, I am a fan of. I think it's quite a cool little car. It's interesting. It just goes a bit too slow. But nevertheless, they have rectified this not by adding more power and not by making it by Citroen, but by Fiat doing their own version called the Topolino, which is, I think, unbelievably cute. It's 
kind of a bit pretty just because of how cute it is. Much like an original Fiat 500, it's tiny, as you'd probably expect. It's based on the Citroen V and only comes in one colour, which is like a light greeny colour. I was going to say, it's the exactly the same underneath, isn't it? It's the same yep. underpinnings, I presume. It is, except for the fact this isn't the same at the front and the back like the Ami is. It, this has a slightly larger front, so it's almost like it has a bonnet, but really it's just a piece of plastic. And the back has little taillights in, and you can have a little luggage rack on it. And I think it's such a cool-looking thing, isn't it? And if you go for the, uh, the Dolce Vita spec, you get ropes for doors. You do get ropes for doors. And you kind of wonder how that's okay. Definitely doesn't work in this country. Uh, no, is it? Is that just simply to stop you falling out of the side? Presumably, you wear a seatbelt in it. I would hope you wear a seatbelt in it. Yes, yes. Well, it's, it's, a, it's, well, it's a light quadricycle, so no, would you have to? Well, I don't know, actually. But it, it can do, I mean, it's, it can do 45 kilometres an hour, can't it? So it's not it's desperately fast. Miles an hour. But still, still hitting hurts, a brick though. wall at 28 miles an hour without a seatbelt on, you would end up in a mess, mm. wouldn't you? So... You would hope you have a seatbelt. I've come off a push bike at not much less than that, and it, it does hurt somewhat when you come off sideways or not. Um, but it's going to be it it's going to be basically the same spec, and it's going to be, I think, near enough the same money, which is about ten thousand euros, which is depending on the exchange rate, eight and a bit thousand pounds, isn't it? Uh, yeah, it's not uh, not a lot of money at all. But just just looking up what uh, Dolce Vita means, it was a a life of heedless pleasure and luxury. So I don't know if you're not wearing a seatbelt, it could be headless pleasure. <laughs> yes, indeed. Hedonistic headlessness. Um, apparently, you can have five options with this thing, which includes a, a USB fan, which plugs into the <laughs> dashboard. Uh, I kid you not, because the, the normal car doesn't have a fan; it just has flappy windows. And as far as I can see, the side of it is pretty much the same. So, with the uh, the normal and the, and and the suicide door, a Bluetooth speaker, which goes in the cup holder, a thermal water bottle, and two seat Ooh. covers that can double as soft beach towels when needed. I like nice. the idea of this thing very much. I do like that. Well, to be fair, in, in terms of sort of creature comforts and fit and finish, at least my Catrum's got a heater. Does this not have a heater? Oh, it does. It'll be the same as the, the ME heater. So you have two options, basically, which is on or off, and it's very loud. <laughs> so bearing in mind there's not much insulation in this That's almost exactly like the Catrum then. So that's hot or slightly less hot. Yes. And that's it. <laughs> yes. Uh, and it, it is just loud. It is just loud. Um, oh, but you can get a sun blind, which you can't get for the ME, which I quite like the idea of. So you can make sure you don't get completely toasted inside. Because some some new cars, actually, the, the glass roof doesn't have a blind, but it's it's pretty good. The back is a good example of this. So it has a full-length glass roof, but has some sort of clever solar reflective thingy in there. And it doesn't get ridiculously hot like cars with big sunroofs of old, whereas the ME, it kind of does get quite hot. So maybe not such a bad idea, that, at all. That's a, a cool little thing. I think it would suit just buzzing about in an Italian or... Well, I think, where are they selling them initially first? Italy and France, aren't they, it would appear. So because uh, the, the website, you have to choose your country, Italy or France, and that's it. Um, but yeah, having having just got back from France, actually, for a uh, for a friend's wedding, you could bimble about in, uh, in a little village in France somewhere in this quite happily. And yeah, you don't think you need much more than that, really. I mean, to be fair, some of the roads around there, two of those heading in opposite directions is about as wide as the road could take. So it's only got interesting in our um, hire car. There was a uh, Nissan Qashqai of all cars. Ugh. And I'm just, I'm, I'm mystified. How do they sell so many of those things? I, I really, really don't get it. But actually, uh, to be fair, we'd have probably had more fun renting two of those 
um, and having a little. We've had to have stopped and charge logs. It was a two-hour drive from the airport to uh, to where we were staying. But um, a lot. Hey, at least it was at least it was a two-hour drive in the opposite direction of all the uh, all the riots. That was the first thing I saw on my phone when it, when we landed in Bordeaux, having waited three years for a friend's wedding. Was BBC News. Brits urge not to travel to France due to rioting in Bordeaux. So where have we just landed? Bordeaux. Right, let's get in the car and go quickly in the other direction. But I digress. Well, apparently these things can, can be leased for about 39 Europe's a week, which I think sounds sounds right to me. Is that all? That's a damn sight cheaper than uh, than a Nissan Qashqai is to rent. So probably just lease a new one every day if you need it. It would still be cheaper, I think. Yeah, I, well, it, it kind of makes sense. I like the idea of this very much. I think it's a very cool looking thing. It's kind of quirky. Eight horsepower. What more could you want? Eh? And maybe they might be able to make something a bit more stable if you're driving through the streets of Monaco. If, you, if you've seen the infamous video that's been going around of one of these toppling over, a toppling over Lino, I think it, it translates as something mouse, doesn't it? Tiny mouse or something. Uh, well, yeah, I was going to say, my, uh, my internet browser of choice has just said, do you want to translate it? And it's, uh, I'm, I've got two specs now. I've now got Mickey Mouse or Mickey Mouse Turtleneck. <laughs> what is, what? I'm terribly sorry, yes, you've got Mickey, Mickey, Mouse, Mickey Turtleneck. Mouse Turtleneck. That's the one with the, the roof that rolls out of the way and the door rope, as it calls it. But I think, yeah, there's, there's definitely a, Something's getting lost in translation on this website, isn't it? It's a bit like one of those um, Chinglish, you know, where the instructions have been roughly translated. And, you know, warning sharp, take it, be careful on the edge of a <laughs> pair of scissors or something like that. You, you get what it's trying to say, but it's just not quite in the right way. It comes with a turtleneck heel sill threshold. Pass. I don't know what it is, but I want one of them. It's a cool thing. It looks great. And I think if I lived in a city and commuted across a city or something, and I had to use a car, I would be tempted. Although, as much as it pains me to admit it, because there's lots of two-seat stuff that I find very interesting, it seems that at this point in time, for a daily at least, it has to have four seats because of the various different school and nursery drop-offs and things that make life just very complicated. Well, for the price of that, just get two of them. What, and just get my four-year-old to drive the other? Well, yeah, or, I don't know, could one tow the other one? Could be a way of doing it, isn't it? Actually, if, if you towed it, but towed it backwards, and then when one ran out of charge, you just get in the other one and then drive that one forwards again. So you double your range. There you are. You could have a range extender. Just plastic weld two of them together. Get some of that poly cement we used to build Tamiya model cars with and just glue two of them together. Job done. And it would be four-wheel drive. That's true. One thing that does occur to me, if you use two MEs, because they're the same forward and backwards, you could run it like a train, couldn't you? So when you're going in one direction, you turn the red lights on at the back. When you're going in the other direction, you turn the white lights on. So you could just run it in one direction or the other, put them back to back. That's it. There we go. Ah, no, yeah. If you had a, uh, a, what's the range on it? 70, is it 75 kilometres? So you do your 75 mile kilometre commute in one direction, and then it's already facing the right direction for when you want to drive home. That's it. Yeah. Perfect. There we there are. There you go. Solved. This EV terminates here. Why not? Well, you say you say you're four year old, you get him to drive it. He could do in ten years' time. Not in this country. You d- you can yeah, in France. In, in some country somewhere. So there you are. Move to France and in ten years' mm. time. You're I saw this uh this this documentary or something about them. It was like a short documentary, like a five minute jobby. And uh, apparently kids can use them to drive to school in. So there was this girl saying that she drives her, her younger sister to school and her and she's sort of 15 or something, and parks up at school and comes back home. And I find that idea slightly terrifying, to be honest with you, because you would definitely just be racing your mates, wouldn't you? And bearing oh, in mind that... Can, not- can you imagine us when we were 14? 
in yes. in a set of those bobbing around. To be fair, I think they're small enough. You could probably fit them down a school corridor, which we would have definitely, definitely done. Hundred yeah. percent, no question. It there, there's uh, the amount of places you'd end up inside supermarkets, everywhere, the whole bit, Churchill Square. We would have been inside that everything. Yeah, definitely. and they'd be good fun on astroturf. They would. And because they're not painted, you could just bounce off each other, couldn't you, constantly? Because if it gets exactly. scuffed, you just you just get the hot air gun out, wouldn't you, and just heat it up a bit. No one's going to notice. That's it. Right. Mm. Sorted. We spoke about another electric two-seater or an electric car of, uh, from when we were at school. And that was I think we spoke about this, what, two... Two and a bit years ago. It was a long time ago, wasn't it? The, uh, it seems like a long time ago. The Wild One Max, the Tamiya Wild One mm. Max. So this was a, a full-on, full-size, actual driving replica of a radio-controlled car, but with, you know, seats and a steering wheel and, and a few changes. I mean, this was, yeah, a couple of years ago, we'd we'd heard snippets and rumours and, and they were developing this. This is the, uh, the little car company. You've done various, as the name suggests, little cars. Usually very expensive is, um, little cars as well, aren't they? Well, this is, yeah, this, I, I don't know, this this isn't too bad. I mean, it's not that little. Looking at the, the dimensions, it's um, uh, 3.6 metres long, so uh, about as long as the Caterham. Being geeky, I know, because I was measuring out the garage and the shelves and things on the side very carefully. I and, bet you do uh, this every day. And, and the freezer, so I had to uh, buy a slightly smaller freezer so it would all fit in. Um, but it's one point nine meters wide, which is a, a good a good chunk, a good thirty odd centimeters wider than the Caterham. So I'd have to buy some skinnier shells. So it's quite short but quite wide. So that probably makes for a good stable handling. But yeah, it's it's a full size. It looks like a radio controlled Tamiya Wild one because that's quite literally that's what it is, and it's a got, one one it, scale. It, yeah, that that's it. And it's uh, you know there's, there's a few little changes. It's got some sort of covers over the, the dampers and bits and pieces like that to, to try and make the thing road legal, obviously, because this is this is the hook, this is the twist, this is road legal. You can bolt some number plates on it and off you I go driving that. around on the road. I mean, what a, what a head-turner, to be fair. It's, it looks brilliant, this thing. The doors do make me chuckle. They're probably only slightly more functional than the rope doors in the Topolino. I mean, it's a, they've got the, the same hinges as the Caterham, actually, but they're about... I don't know, four inches, five, six inches tall. I mean, why why have them? Kind of just make it one solid bit. It doesn't exactly make getting in or out any easier. But it's um, a hell of a bit of kit, this, because it just looks hilarious. And the price, actually, I, I don't know if this is good or bad or indifferent, really. 35 grand plus VAT. It's a lot of money, is, right? is what it is. It, it is a lot of I'm money. Sure it is. I don't know, but bearing in mind that the average list price brand new of a car in this country is, what, £39,900 at the moment. This is what you said to me earlier. Yeah. Average list price of a new car in this country is 39900 something, just just a shade under the forty grand. you will pay a lot more tax bracket. So actually, thirty five grand plus that, so seven forty two ish including, slightly more than average, but it's a slightly more than average looking car. Yeah, and uh, well, built in uh, limited numbers. That's for the um, the launch edition or the limited run or the web, whatever it is. So I think they're they're only making a hundred of these uh, of the launch edition one. So whether there'll be a cheaper version later or 
a more expensive version later. I'm, I'm not too sure, but I do quite fancy a dirt thrasher. If they get round to making a dirt thrasher, that would be quite cool. That would just be one seat in the middle, central driving position, look like a little bug thing. That was a, I had one of those. That was cool. I'd be all over a full size one of those. I think. How fast does this thing go? Uh, so it's what it's it's quite nippy. I think it's got uh, eight removable battery packs. I don't know if you could just buy another eight and swap them out. Um, 14.4 kilowatts in there, so it gives you a top speed of 50 miles an hour, but a range of 200 kilometers on road or 110. That's going to be more than you're going to want, isn't it? In that, yeah, yeah, I think, but bombing around in that for the day, but actually, if you're just tootling around and driving normally and not like a lunatic on a sand dune to do 200 kilometers, what's that, 150 miles ish, something like that, 140 miles, that's that's not too bad, is it? That's quite sensible, I think, especially if you can swap the batteries fairly easily. Yeah, that looks like great fun. In my mind, I've just I can just see loads and loads of the Tamiya battery packs with the you know the trickle chargers attached to them. The ones that used to take That's about it. four or five hours to charge up for your twenty minutes runtime and just <laughs> loads of those or oh, a giant one of those. Ah oh, this as well, uh road legality, road legal pack in the UK and EU under quadricycle regulations again so what a time we were definitely born at the wrong time we've we've decided we were both born too late and got into life too late but actually to be turning 14 15 16 now as long as you had minted parents and you had one of those to drive to school in, mm. how cool would that have been just at the age we were all playing around with one tenth scale radio control cars to turn up in a full-size one that would be oh that would have just been amazing. That I do want. I think it'd be amazing now. Don't need one I'm not even worried about being fourteen. I'd be quite happy to be thirty six and turn up in uh, one of those at work. Uh, but I think the novelty exactly. would soon wear off when you you get to October rain or something. Um, that would be yeah. It's, it's got a windscreen um, and wear some goggles, I suppose. All my Tamiya cars are all either sort of rally cars, touring cars, or road cars. So I suppose it'd be relatively achievable. What I'd need to do with mine is just get a really long pipe, slightly too bendy plastic pipe with a weird kink in it because I've squashed it into a box too many times and drive around like that. That's it, yeah. It's, yeah, not actually that, that far off, is it, to be fair? But yeah, let's say the I always quite like the, the dirt thrashers or the buggies or whatever else. I had the, the TAO2 chassis with uh, yeah various mm. body shells on it, everything from an Escort to a Volvo touring car saloon to a Honda Accord. It was, it was mainly British touring car body shells I had on mine. Focus RS WRC for a little while, so yeah. So there we go. If you want to aspire to drive your childhood heroes, you can go out there and buy yourself a Volvo uh, and maybe get some stickers and a giant aerial on it. And I guess on that note, it's just worth us mentioning that uh, Graham is going to be at the Goodwood Festival of Speed. Undoubtedly, we'll see some of these some of these cars. I understand the wild one is going to be revealed there, despite the fact we've obviously seen it. But in in the metal, he's going to just see it. Uh, see, it. we're a bit jealous of that, certainly. Did Graham invite you to the Festival of Speed? No, he didn't. Did he invite you? No, he didn't. Interesting. Regular listeners of the podcast will know this has happened before, and we did spend many, many episodes taking the mick out of him to the point where I think that's when he developed a large part of his selective deafness. Yes, indeed. Yeah, he won't hear this, so it's fine. What we were saying, one of the two. (laughs) So, yes, anyway, keep keep an eye on the social. We are at UK Motor Talk everywhere. And, of course, make sure to listen to to our Goodwood podcast. In the meantime, it's goodbye from me, Mike. And it's goodbye from me, Jim. And it's been a pleasure talking to you as always. We'll see you next time. Goodbye. Take care. Bye for now. 
UK Motor Talk light, and definitely not. Diet UK Motor Talk if you look at the state of Mike, his words, not mine, is a first take media production.